Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website, TravelingCulturati.com. And while you're there, make sure you join the Travel Club so that you'll be the first to know when we're on the go. And we go to some fabulous places and we want to make sure that you come with. Again, the website is TravelingCulturati.com. Healthcare professional Yolanda Como is back with another installment of staying healthy while you travel. Tis the season, the cold and flu season. How do you stay healthy amidst a season of germs? Well, you want to make sure you stay tuned to find out. We'll also have Javon's Travel Minute and the Culture Report. But right now, I've got some travel news. Good news is what I have. I have news that says that the passport processing times have dropped again this past week. So your application received will wait between seven and 10 weeks for a routine service. That's down from eight to 11 weeks. So it seems like each month we're getting this processing time a week or so sooner. Expedited service, which comes with a $60 fee additional will take between three to five weeks, dropping from five to seven weeks previously. So this is really good news because people were really in a crunch sometimes getting a new passport or renewed passports. More Americans are traveling internationally again, and those resources are being met to meet unprecedented demand seen so far for 2023. And it's not letting up for 2024. The thing that you don't want to do if your passport is nearing expiration, a lot of countries require that you have at least six months validity left on your passport. So if you're in a period where you can get that passport renewed and you have less than six months left on your passport, Don't wait till the last minute, because if you wait till spring and summer and people are traveling again, you're going to get that rush and those processing times may go up again. So over 24 million passport cards and passport books were issued between October 22 and September 23. So if you're looking to get a new passport or to apply for a new passport. In a lot of cases, you can do it online. In some cases, you won't be able to do it online. For example, if you are getting a passport for the first time, if you are applying for a passport for a child under 16, if your previous passport was issued when you were under 16, if your passport was lost or stolen, and if your previous passport was issued over 15 years ago, you'll need to do that in person. And you can get a form for that online so that you're ready. That's the DS-11. You can renew an eligible passport by mail if your most recent passport is not damaged, if your most recent passport was never lost or stolen, was not issued within the last 15 years, your most recent passport was issued when you were 16 years or older, your most recent passport is issued to your current name, or if you can present a document such as marriage certificate or divorce papers as evidence of a legal name change. These are all the reasons that you can apply online and you can get the DS-82. What you'll need to present to get a passport is a passport application form. You can get that online, travel.state.gov. Personal documents that include, but are not limited to, proof of citizenship, an acceptable photo ID, copies of both, and passport photos. Now, a passport size photo is two inches by two inches, and you can get them at many places. So again, you can go to travel.state.gov and get all of the information that you need download the forms that you'll need for application and they'll tell you what the processing time is at that time, where you can apply, where you can mail it in, and also what all of those fees are. Do you want to know what the most searched tourist destination was so far in 2023? I don't think it's going to change much. Well, it was London. Yeah, London outranked even Paris and New York as the most searched for tourist destination in 2023. 
On a day-to-day -day basis, about 30 million travelers visit London every year. Can you imagine that? 30 million travelers. Now, even though London was the most searched, it was not the most visited destination in the world for 2023. According to eDreams, the most booked place was Paris, followed by Barcelona. I like to say that the right way. <laughs> London was third on the list as far as most booked spots to report. So there you have it. May have been searched, but not the most visited. Paris takes that. I want to tell you this story because I also want to give you some tips here if you have unaccompanied minors who are or will be traveling with the airlines. And that's going to happen in cases during the holidays that are coming up. A lot of children go to see other parents or they go to see grandparents and sometimes they're traveling alone. Now, an unaccompanied minor is based on the age of the traveler at the time of travel. So depending on the airline, that number can vary, but you're basically talking about someone who is 16 and under. So there's a mom, here's the story. She's a Florida mom and alleged in a lawsuit against American Airlines that the air carrier misplaced her two children by putting them in a cold cell-like room overnight without food, water, blankets, or pillows after their flight got canceled while they were traveling alone. Her two boys, ages 10 and 12, are now scared to fly and worry that they would be lost or abandoned. And according to the mom and the lawsuit, basically, this is a result of negligence by the airline. So again, how does it happen? Well, they left from their departure city. They flew to a connecting city. That flight was repeatedly delayed and then eventually canceled. The next flight out would not be until the morning before they would arrive into their destination. The airline has said that they contacted the parent or the adult who would have been responsible for picking up the child at the arrival airport to advise them that they would be on the 9 a.m. flight the next day. However, they did not get on a flight until 5 or after 5 p.m. that day. They placed a phone call to the mom. Now, the mom wasn't able to get in touch with the children or the airline had been on hold for a long time before figuring out everything that had happened, but did applaud and thanked one of the airline's employees for taking some authority and contacting her and taking care of the children, feeding them and so forth. So here are some of the tips that I would say. Almost always get that nonstop flight. And now I know that between some cities, you're not always going to be able to find a nonstop flight. So you might really want to consider the age of the children and whether or not you then should put them on a flight or flights if you can't get them on a non-stop flight because again if that connecting flight gets delayed and or canceled you could possibly be putting your children in a situation where they will have to overnight make sure they have a cell phone that you can contact them directly and talk to your children ahead of time to let them know if this happens contact us right away Put us on the phone with an airline representative so that we can speak with them. And then also do some of your own homework if there is a flight cancellation, like signing up for flight alerts. So you shouldn't have to wait for the airline to contact you to tell you about a flight alert. You can look up those flights constantly and know if they're delayed and or canceled. And so you can be very proactive in the situation. And then also... You want to make sure that you have travel insurance and then also just kind of give your children a list of things to do in the event something happens. So we'll see how this plays out. But just some tips if you do have unaccompanied minors who will be traveling to make sure that you take care of those things and be very proactive and not waiting for the airline to rebook them, but demanding that, no, I want them rebooked on a flight now. You know what flights are leaving out the next day, and I want them on a very early morning flight, if not the first one out the next day. Are you a frequent flyer on an airline? If you're not, you should be. 
Even if you say, well, I don't fly a lot, you know, there are ways that you can earn miles without flying very often and credit cards can give you miles. So kind of thinking about which airlines you want to have a mileage program with and then focusing your efforts in accumulating miles on that airline or on that credit card. Because believe me, you can accumulate a lot of miles using a credit card. So this particular report that was done, and there may be some bias in it, but there's some reasons behind it, listed the six best frequent flyer programs for redeeming miles. Now this is why that's important, redeeming miles, not just earning them, because sometimes you can earn miles with an airline, but they have a high redemption mileage rate, which means it would take forever or cost a lot to get airline tickets or they may have a lot of rules and restrictions against it. So this particular report is done based on six best frequent flyer programs for redeeming miles. So in no particular order, what the expert found most valuable was Air Canada and Aeroplan, Avianca Life Miles, American Advantage, Air France, KLM Flying Blue, Emirates Skywards, British Airways Executive Club. Now I can say that I have experience with two of these and I would agree that the redemption or redeeming miles have been very, very easy to use. So when you're looking at an airline, again, see if you don't fly a lot, you wanna see what credit cards you can get. If you do fly a lot, then you're gonna look at where you're flying to and which airline you would more than likely fly on. And that's the airline that you want to make sure that you get miles on. You can have miles on multiple airlines, but sometimes focusing your efforts will allow you to accumulate more miles quickly if you're putting them into one. And then looking at their partnerships, because it's not always the airline that you're flying, but maybe it's another airline that's within that alliance that you can utilize miles for. And then sometimes you can redeem miles for perks, not just for flying, but of course for upgrades, but also lounge access or meals on board or complimentary drinks. Also with some other partnerships with car rentals or hotels, or sometimes they have bonus miles at the time that you can earn extra miles for just using your credit card or on certain flights that you're taking. So. You know, again, I have experience with at least two of these six, and I will concur with this list. <laughs> That's all I've got for travel news. And when I come back, I'm chatting with healthcare professional Yolanda Como with another installment of Staying Healthy While You Travel during the cold and flu season that is now called the cold, flu, COVID, and RSV season. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website, TravelingCulturati.com, and make sure you join that travel club. And now, Javon's Travel Minute. Well, it's in the news again. That's bedbugs. You've seen that they are making appearances in France just ahead of the Olympics, so hopefully they have some time to take care of that. But also, since the summer, since August, Las Vegas was in the news as having bed bugs. So what should you do? First and foremost, if you find yourself at a hotel with bed bugs, you want to immediately advise hotel management. Now, most hotels will have experience with bed bugs and likely have a protocol already in place. But you definitely want to bring it to management's attention immediately. And if confirmed, the hotel will need to relocate you to a clean room and also assist in getting your clothes and your personal belongings clean. That's very important and you must insist upon it so that you're not transporting anything back home. Now, also, if you do, unfortunately, bring something back home or if you want to avoid doing so, you want to leave your luggage outside. You definitely want to do that, whether you feel that your items have been cleaned properly or not. 
put all of your packed clothing, whether you wore it or not, in a garbage bag and tie it off to seal it. So then when you're ready or when you have time, you want to remove the clothes from the garbage bag and then let them tumble dry in the dryer with high heat for a good 30 minutes to kill as much as you possibly can. And then it's time to clean your luggage itself. One of the best things to do is to have a garment steamer at high heat. And then also if it's a duffel bag, you want to throw it in the wash. Again, everything on high heat. And if you have travel insurance, you may have some coverage with any damages that you may have incurred during this process. So hopefully you don't have to deal with it, but in the event that you do, you may want to follow some of these tips and also contact your doctor and inspect your body and yourself for any bug bites as well. This is Javon, and that was your Travel Minute. Well, healthcare professional Yolanda Como is back with another edition of Staying Healthy While You Travel. And you know what? It's that time of year. It's cold and flu season. Ugh, I know. Yolanda is here with information and tips for staying healthy while you're traveling during this season. Hello, Yolanda, and welcome back. Thanks, Yvonne. Glad to be back. How are you? I am great. Thank you. Fall is upon us, and the weather is making us realize that. <laughs> Summer is long yes. gone. And the only thing we yeah. can see ahead of us is the rest of fall and winter season coming. And we know what that means. It means cold and flu season as well. Right. And it, it as you said, it is upon us. And the experts are saying, get ready for it. Because now they're calling it a triple pandemic because COVID has never left us. Hmm. So they're putting them involved with the cold and flu. And you also have RSV. I think we all know in the back of our minds that COVID didn't go away, but we really want to get back to some sense of normalcy. But maybe we should really talk about some of these statistics and things that are happening so that we really understand what we're dealing with this year. So what are they saying for 2023? This now, as we're saying, cold, flu, COVID, and RSV seasons. Right. Well, initially they were saying that they were expecting the year to be similar to last year numbers in terms of hospitalization, but they are seeing that the total number of hospitalization this year so far is actually higher than last year. It's at the level or higher than last year's hospitalizations with oh, wow. these seasonal viruses. Yeah. So how so, many cases so far this year? So 2.1 million outpatient visits have occurred and over about 80,000 hospitalizations have happened. And yes, of course, there's always deaths. So there has been some deaths in the situation, but mostly among younger children, especially with the RSV. <laughs> so more virus. so with children and not necessarily, because before it was children and the elderly. Well, the elderly still, their numbers are still there. And yes, they are still getting hospitalized, but they are recovering much better than the children. So adults who are 65 and older, they're seeing quite of those numbers taking up a bit, but they are overcoming the viruses itself. And I can only imagine those people who feel a little under the weather, not sure if it's the cold or the flu or RSV or COVID or even allergies, for example, who aren't getting yeah. tested. So we're not seeing those numbers in the numbers that you're reciting. But based on those numbers, <laughs> what has been the increase COVID, they're seeing a downward turn. They are seeing cases of COVID and no, COVID has not left us. But the reason why they are seeing a downward turn in terms of hospitalization with COVID is because more people have gotten vaccinated and you having that herd immunity where people are also immune, those who have not been vaccinated. And since the flu season has started, that's kind of warding off and holding off the COVID as well. So a lot of people are rushing in and they are getting vaccinated with the flu vaccine. But the numbers for the RSV are taking up. And that's where you're seeing like the large hospitalization. Again, when I said that the children are the ones that are driving that number up itself. And adults are recovering pretty nicely with that. But the children, is taking a little time for them to either recover and they are seeing some deaths in those cases. Mm. And are we also seeing hospitalization with RSV? Oh, yes, definitely. Once the children are 
running in all summer. They've been coming in the hospital with RSV. So have the adults over 65 years old. Hmm. And we're going to get into a little bit later where we can kind of make some definitions of what we're talking about, cold versus flu versus COVID versus RSV and what we're going to look for. But what are the health experts and agencies saying that we should expect, especially here in the United States, but we're traveling internationally, so we can't leave out the global part either. Right. Well, basically what they're saying is if you're sick, do not travel. Don't travel when you're sick, especially if you have the flu or indefinitely if you have COVID. You need to deal with those symptoms prior to going on and traveling. Cold and flu viruses are very, very contagious, and that's what people need to know. So if you are sick, try to stay put for now and try to stay away from having close contact with people if you are sick or those who are sick, you know, even if you're not. And one thing that I always bring up, you must wash your hands. Yeah. And that's with soap. And in this case, you should be using soap and water. Hand sanitizers are nice. I mean, if you don't have soap and water, but if you can find places where there's soap and water, that's where you need to be utilizing soap and water because that's what's going to kill the virus. The hand sanitizer, not so much if you are sick or you're around people who are sick. Coughing and sneezing, you need to control that or contain it somehow. Sneezing your elbow. Wear a mask. I mean, I'm still wearing my mask. I don't know about you, Javon, but if definitely if you're traveling, you should be putting on a mask. And if you're on a plane, definitely wear a mask because we are in a season where respiratory viruses right now, they are extremely contagious. Cover your mouth, your nose, use tissues, throw the tissue out. Try not to leave it on tables so that you're serving food or you're eating on and people um, sitting next to you can touch it. And once you reach your destination, try and seek out a pharmacy so you can get a pharmaceuticals if you're going to be in need of them. Yeah. I'm just thinking, ew, with the tissue on the table. <laughs> I think we all got kind of careless with the masks. And I haven't been traveling with a mask on unless it's like really, really crowded or if I'm hearing people coughing, then I'll put it on. But I am still traveling with a supply of masks just in case. But let's break okay. it down and what we're talking about here and what are the differences. So we always say cold and flu season and sometimes we can't always distinguish or we don't know. Do we have a cold? Do we have a flu? So what is the difference between cold and flu? Well, with the cold, the colds are usually a milder than the flu. People with the cold, they usually have a runny, stuffy nose. It's not as serious. It doesn't cause serious health problems such as pneumonia, bacterial infections, or even hospitalizations. Now, with the flu, it can turn serious, and it can be associated with many complications like pneumonia, bronchitis, and you can be hospitalized for it. So you also probably will have more symptoms like body aches and headaches with the flu, fatigue, respiratory symptoms, and probably will last much, much longer than the average cold. The flu is very contagious, and you can probably have a sore throat. It affects the lungs eventually. And people who are 65 and older and children and people with serious health conditions or chronic health conditions, they can have more serious complications with the flu. So what are the distinguishing symptoms that will help us know whether it's the flu and not a cold? Would that be like the sore throat or the body aches? Exactly. With the cold, like I said, you probably would have more like a runny, stuffy nose, just, just nagging you. And it can linger on for a week or more. But with the flu, you definitely would have chills. You might even get to a point where you may even have some diarrhea, body aches, headaches, fevers, you would be spiking fevers, you most likely would be in the bed, not wanting to get up. With the cold, you are still functioning around, you know, getting around, may even go to work or probably running errands. But with the flu, the flu probably would have you in bed that you just can't get up. So mm -hmm. that would definitely be the difference. Okay. What are the treatments that we should do for the cold versus the flu and covering well, both of them? Well, definitely with the cold, it's an average respiratory problem. But if you want to compare it to the flu, it is pretty simple. 
So like I said, you probably have a runny nose, feel like you have a sinus problem. Definitely drink your fluids with the cold and definitely with the flu as well. I don't think you would be requiring any Tylenol or antiemetics like that because you probably would not be spiking fevers as you would with the flu. But definitely replenish yourself with fluids and maybe a vitamin C, vitamin D. Definitely take around your tissues because you're going to be blowing your nose constantly. But with the flu, that's a different story. With your body aches, you want to take some anti-inflammatories. You want to get your fevers down. Take Tylenol for that or Advil and replenish yourself with plenty, plenty, plenty of fluids. You may even have periods where you might be nauseated. And if you are doing that and vomiting and having situations where you are vomiting, so you do have to replenish yourself with fluids and fluids with electrolytes as well. And once again, it's probably going to be down in the bed for a period of days with the flu. So not getting up, not having energy, just totally fatigued. You won't be feeling that way with the cold. Okay. So just just a little sluggish maybe with the cold, but definitely some impairment with the flu. With the cold, it's more like you will still be functioning. You still will be able to get around and do your everyday errands. Like I said, probably even be able to even go to work for a few hours. But with the flu, you definitely will be totally in the bed, out of it, not able to be your total self. And I know you were saying earlier, as far as with a sore throat, treating that with gargling with warm salt water. I have to just comment on that because whenever I've had a sore throat, not necessarily related to the flu, but just having a sore throat, not being able to get rid of it until I gargle with warm salt water, it seems to be the quickest remedy with treating a sore throat. Yeah, I mean, it soothes the throat because with the flu, you feel like your throat is like sandpapered or just extremely, extremely scratchy. So you need something to help soothe that. And that warm salt water does help to help relax and soothe that throat. Now, what about COVID? And I know that we talked about COVID every which way we can during 2020 and 2021, even (laughs) even 22. But again, here we are in a season that we're talking about cold, flu, COVID, RSV. So what can we expect when we have COVID and does that look different or how does it look different or how do we know it is COVID versus the flu? Yeah, well, COVID will hit you if you have a bad case of the COVID. It is kind of similar to the flu, but you probably will feel the same type of symptoms, but even more so. When I was saying that you might be in the bed for a period of days, COVID can have you in bed for many more days probably than the flu. You definitely will have the chills and fevers. Some people do anyway. Uh, Cough is always there. It goes deep into the lungs, so it may cause you to have shortness of breath. And that's really what takes a lot of people to the hospital with COVID. And they get hospitalized because they feel like it's though they cannot breathe. We'll have the body aches and the fatigueness and headaches. And then also some people have loss of taste and smell and your throat is sore as well. So it's the same type of remedies. Replenish your fluids, give your throat some comfort with some remedies that you have at home. If you do need to go to the hospital, go to the hospital. They can treat you there and you know get a test done and see if you are positive for COVID and They probably even give you like respiratory treatments while you're in the emergency room. If they feel the need that you need to be hospitalized, then yeah, they most likely hospitalize you for a few days or even longer. The goal is to keep those lungs open so that you can breathe and not put you on a ventilator if it is extremely serious. Mm -hmm. But the moment you feel like you are having some difficulty breathing, definitely get to the hospital to see what's going on. You will have runny nose, you feel congested, and in some cases you will become nauseous and you have some vomiting and definitely some diarrhea as well. So they're all kind of similar to the flu, but I think it's more of a more serious case or situation than the flu is. And is it still the case? Because before 
with COVID, some people had every symptom there was, and some people had severe symptoms, and then some people didn't even know they had COVID or had yeah. very mild symptoms. So do the kits still work, like the at-home kits or the <laughs> ones that the CDC has mailed out? Are they still yeah. good? Should we be traveling with a COVID test? Because the only way you would really know if it's COVID is if you test positive. Exactly. And yes, to all those questions, you should be traveling with COVID tests. And yes, they still work. And yes, you can order them now. I think the government has put out a notice that you can order some. In fact, I did. I went online and did the freetest.gov and I received four kits the other day. Yeah, I got got four um, new ones too. Yeah. And, you know, you can just pick them up too at Walgreens or any other pharmaceutical store and just show your insurance card and they will give you, I think, up to eight kids, four kids per person or eight per couple or family. And yeah, look at the expiration dates and you can keep them for however long the expiration dates are and you can have them all season and test yourself every so often just to make sure you're not coming in contact with COVID or getting COVID. What about the preventive? I mean, and again, I know we've talked about these things for so many years straight, so we should all know it already, but I still think it's worth a reminder of that prevention. What are some of those things that we can do to prevent it? Well, if you are in large public places, such as being on an airplane or being in an airport or being in a train station, getting on an elevator, you should wear a mask. People are coughing, and this is the season where people just cough. A lot of times they're not even covering themselves. They're just coughing. So wear your mask if you can. And practice the same thing that you practiced with COVID when it was a big thing back in 2020. Keep your distance. I mean, if you're talking with somebody, you know, keep a few steps back from that person when you're having your conversation, especially if you don't know the person or wear your mask if you're talking to them. If you're face to face and you're talking to them, you need to protect yourself and you also need to protect them. You may have COVID and you're talking to them and they can contract that. Yeah. So, you know, because everybody's back to shaking hands and hugging and uh, (laughs) you're doing all the things that we stopped doing during COVID. So should we be back to the elbow bump or (laughs) just the Uh, wave? think so. Yeah, I think you should be doing elbow bumping and just waving from afar or something like that. But yeah, wear your mask. And also try not to, once again, keep your hands clean. Try not to touch your face, your eyes, your nose, your mouth. You're picking up stuff. You don't realize that you're touching surfaces. And as humans, you know, we like to touch our face and our mouth, put our hand in our mouth and our fingers and stuff. So be cognizant of that and just be careful. Cover your coughs and sneezes, even if somebody else is not doing that. Make sure you are. And drinking in public places on public transportation, you may want to just use a, try not to use a straw, use a sippy cup. That way you can close the lid every time you take your drink rather than sipping on a straw to keep your drinks and stuff open. Yeah. And again, these are really just good reminders, especially as we're approaching the season. I tell you one thing I like, not all airlines do it, but United Airlines does. There's somebody standing there as you board the plane with individual alcohol wipes, little tear off packages. They're individually wrapped and I always take a nice. couple. And so I have like a stockpile of them <laughs> that I use oh. and, and I make sure that I wipe down the armrests of my seat and the yeah. tray table and the seatbelt buckle and those things. So I do like that. United is still doing that. And it's one of the few airlines that are actually from my travels recently, they're the only one that are actually doing that. I mean, even when you're taking the elevators, make sure you're not pressing the buttons with your finger, you know, use a tissue. Sometimes I'll use like my knuckle to press a button or, you know, a pen or whatever I have. Some people use their key, the car key or the home key to press the button on the elevators. Try not to touch side rails. Like if you get on the escalators, if you good with your balance. If you don't have to touch, hold on to the side rail. Don't do it. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's so many germs on there. So just be careful with that. So just remember your hands, you want to keep those just nice and clean because, you know, you're sitting, you're eating, you're talking, you're putting them to your face. It touches so many surfaces and you just have to keep all of that as a reminder. Yeah. Especially before you're eating because you're handling your food. 
and you're licking your fingers, you know, especially if it's finger licking oh, yeah. good food, if you know. <laughs> <laughs> so what about RSV? I'll be honest with you. It's not a whole lot. I know about it. I don't know about the, the public at large, but let's talk about what is RSV? What does it stand for? And what can we expect as far as symptoms? RSV is a, another respiratory virus, respiratory essential virus, and it's pretty common. We just heard about it throughout the summer when a lot of people were just crashing into the hospital, ERs, just can't breathe, and just having respiratory problems. And a lot of them were children, were babies and children. So it's a respiratory virus that usually causes mild cold-like symptoms, but it can range from mild to severe and last up to a couple of weeks. It's very contagious and it spreads through droplets. As I was saying about other respiratory viruses, that's how most respiratory viruses spread through the air droplets. Like if you're talking, if you're coughing, and that virus is just like splurting through the air. And if you're not protected, then you can probably contract it mm-hmm. through coughing and sneezing from another person. And it can lead up to pneumonia and also bronchitis that can be very, very serious cases. And in some cases, patients are hospitalized and they're put on ventilators. It can be extremely serious. Um, Symptoms are stuffy and runny nose, just like the cold. You can have a mild headache, mild cough, fevers and sore throats. And in children, it has been seen to truly affect them mostly, as well as older adults over 65. Now, those preventive measures, are they pretty much the same as cold or virus or any kind of virus contraction? Yeah. Wear your mask. Are you going to have a stuffy nose, a sneezing and coughing? Yes. Bring your tissues along. Headache, treat it as if you want with Advil or Tylenol and anti-inflammatories because of your body aches. And it can be fatigue, just like the flu may have you in bed for a few days, but it's going to be a lot of coughing. So if you do not need to be around people or be around others or leave your home, I suggest that you just stay home and maybe stay in bed. This particular virus will keep you down for a couple of weeks, just like the flu. The flu, if it's really bad, it can keep you in the bed or keep you home for a couple of weeks that you can't really move or get out. Yeah. Now, and I know this is a no brainer, but, you know, I tell you, I see people traveling, they're coughing, you don't know what's going on, but some people definitely look sick, but, you know, traveling while you're sick, and maybe it's because it has financial implications involved, but yeah, what can we do? Well, I know saying stay home if you're sick is probably easier said than done. But as you said, people already pay for a trip and they want to go at any means necessary, at any cost, if it even means that they might get other people sick. So if you are very sick and it's just really too sick to travel, when you make your travel plans, you should consider getting travel insurance. You may have to petition that with the travel insurance company. You have to get documentation from your doctor. Okay. And also, you should always, regardless if you're sick or not, register yourself with the State Department to be put on the travel list so they'll know who you are, where you're traveling to, just in case your illness turns into anything more than what it is. So if it's something like the flu that just really turned sour, where you have to be hospitalized at your destination, at least the State Department would know that you're on the list. And if things didn't pan out so well for you and they have to contact family members, it would be easier for them to contact your family. And also bring your over-the-counter mask, see your doctor before you leave so they can advise you well and recommend things if it's a good time for you to be traveling. If so, we will recommend various medications for you to take along as well. And always seek out the pharmaceuticals at your destination, just so you'll know. I mean, you just need to know where you can be able to get remedies or to see a pharmacist at the destination so that you can feel better. So you can just take care of yourself while you're there and get over whatever you have. But once again, as I said in the beginning, if you're sick, please, please, please stay home. Try not to travel. Yeah. And as you said, as far as travel insurance goes, number one, get it. And I know in a lot of cases that travel insurance can be a bit pricey when you're talking about a full comprehensive plan. And if you don't want to spend that kind of money, then what you can do 
is just get the medical type of travel insurance, which would cover you for medical reasons, then this way, at least if you get sick while you're traveling, then it can help if you needed to be hospitalized or anything like that. But the full insurance that's going to cover you for trip cancellation costs, travel interruption or delays and anything like that, it's definitely worth getting it because if you do have the flu or COVID or RSV, and that's documented by the doctor. So it's going to behoove you in those cases to not just stay in the bed sick and then just say, I can't go because I have this, because the insurance company is going to require documentation. So go to your doctor, get those tests done and get that diagnosis. And with that, then it's a medical reason and you are covered by the insurance. So that's very, very important to do. Yolanda, thank you so much for joining us today. And with such a timely and some really good tips and information and a reminder that COVID is still here, folks, along with the regular cold, the flu season, and now we're talking about RSV. So we have to definitely keep ourselves healthy before and during our travels. Oh, you're welcome. When I come back, I've got the culture report. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website, TravelingCulturati.com. And while you're there, make sure you join the Travel Club so that you'll be the first to know when we're on the go. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born of the arts, music, food, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report, and I'm chatting with Rhonda Harper, the visionary behind the acclaimed initiative Black Girls Surf. Yes, you heard that right, Black Girls Surf. Well, hello, Rhonda, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. Thank you for having me, Javon. It's nice to be here. Yes, what a pleasure. And I stumbled upon you, of course, by Instagram and some of the wonderful things that you're doing. So super excited to be chatting with you today. So let's start with your origins. Where are you from? I am from Kansas City, Kansas, originally. I was transferred to California when I was about 10 years old. So I was born practically raised in the Midwest. So a surfing dream is far from home, but I always consider myself the original Dorothy looking for that yellow brick road. (laughs) Definitely. You said Kansas. I'm thinking, you know, I was originally maybe thinking somewhere on a coast (laughs) that would spark your interest, but you went from Kansas City to California. Is that where you were introduced to surfing? No, actually, I was introduced to surfing while I was in Kansas City. And summertime back in the 70s, there was always like Gidget movies, Beach Blanket Bingo and those type of movies that used to come on in the summer because it was so hot. You know, they would play these summertime movies so the kids would stay in courses with the air conditioning. And I started watching a movie called Muscle Beach Party. Little Stevie Wonder was in the background of all of these people surfing and he's singing. And so that's initially, it was Annette Funicello and Frankie Avalon <laughs> who actually started my interest in surfing and that whole vibe of just being carefree and being on the beach. So that's actually where it started. And then I moved to California, of course. And when we got here, one of the caveats for us kids wanting to move, actually, I think it was our bribe. It was like, we're not moving to, to California unless we get a swimming pool because it was so difficult for us to swim in our neighborhoods. We came from all white predominant neighborhood. And so the going to the swimming pools back in the 70s was a little different. So when we came to California, we said, listen, we have to have a swimming pool. When we got here, when we arrived in California, the pool was absolutely filthy. It had frogs in it, everything. And my mom was like, I got to take these kids somewhere. There's six of us. And she said, I got to take them somewhere. So she took us to Santa Cruz for the first time, took us to the beach. And that Uh was the first time I actually got to see the ocean. Wow. So yeah, from Beach Blanket Bingo. (laughs) And you know what? When you said that, that song is embedded in my head. I think we all kind of grew up. (laughs) (laughs) It's immediately those notes started coming out. (laughs) But you brought up something else. And I think sometimes we're kind of far removed 
or how soon we forget that when you're talking about the 60s and 70s, when you lived in a predominantly white neighborhood, you could not go to those pools as a Black person. With segregation, it wasn't that long ago, and it's in a lot of our memories or our childhood memories. So now you're in California, and now you're looking at the ocean. And I'm sure those memories of the movies that you saw came rushing back like, aha, now I have this opportunity. So what intrigued you to then, you know, I want to take up this sport. So I was going back and forth to Hawaii with my parents. My dad was retired military. So for $5, you could take a hop anywhere you wanted to go to whatever country or wherever there was a military base. And so we were going back and forth to Hawaii so often that that was a natural progression. Okay, we got the beach in Santa Cruz. Now we're in Hawaii and we're seeing surfers all the time on the beach. And they were like almost the same color as me. They weren't the same nationality as me, but they're brown and I'm loving it. And so I had an opportunity to go and live with my sister when I was 15 years old. And we moved to the Turtle Bay Hilton, the the resort area. And there's nothing to do on a resort for a 15 year old kid, except for swim, which I had a swimming pool in my backyard. So that wasn't a big deal. Golf, I was way too young. It wasn't exciting enough for me. And the ocean was maybe two minutes from my house, literally just walked through the resort and I was able to see the ocean. And so story has it, I was, out just watching Magnum P.I. being filmed because I used to film at Turtle Bay Hilton. And one of the crew members asked me if I wanted to go ride tandem with him on the surfboard. I used to always be there watching them every morning. And I'm sure he saw me just one day. He was just like, okay, I'm going to take this kid surfing. So he came, asked me to go tandem. I didn't know what tandem was, but he explained it as we were walking towards the shore. And he said, okay, this is what you're going to do. You're going to lay down. We're going to paddle out. When I pull on your bathing suit, we're both going to stand up and we're going to ride into the shore. Easy enough. Didn't turn out so much. So you're on the board. We're paddling, paddling, paddling. He grabs my bikini front, the bottom and the top, grabs him, pulls me up. We stand up. I'm about three seconds into this wave and we both go flying off. I come up without my top. He's embarrassed. He's like, oh, my God. I am like, I'm never surfing again. So I just run off, 15-year-old kid, go back to my house. I say, I'm never going to surf again. I say, okay, I'm at school now, about five days into school, and I find out that there's somebody going to sell a surfboard. And I said, well, how much is it? They said $25. I was like, okay, I'll buy it. And so I didn't get that one. The dad let this other kid go because he had less money than me. And then I got the one that the dad was just like, listen, I have another one. It's more beat up than the other one, but... I said, I'll take it. So I took the board and I stayed out there. I was the only kid out there. So I would be out there for hours from morning to the evening, just trying to learn how. And like on the fifth day, I caught on and I've been surfing ever since. Oh, wow. Such a wonderful story. And I can certainly imagine what that would feel like. And to both of you in that moment of, oh, now I have this topless 15 year old. (laughs) (laughs) So for both of you, complete embarrassment for you and for him, but for different reasons. Exactly. <laughs> but you persevered, which is, I did. which is always a great story. It's like, okay, I'm not going to let that one incident deter me for something that I really have this interest about. But I also read, it says here, fresh from her inspiring journey in Senegal, West Africa. So what took you to Senegal? I actually have two camps now in Senegal, two surf camps. What took me there was COVID. I was filming. That was in the early part of 2020. And then COVID came out and I got locked into Senegal while I was filming. And so I had to stay there until they opened up the country and you could fly again. And so I opened up a surf school with Haju Sam, who is the first female surfer and also the first pro female surfer in Senegal. And we had brought her to the United States in 2018 to train for the Olympics. And so as you go on, you find out the Olympics is going to be canceled by COVID. She was in the qualifiers and she didn't make her last qualifier. And so she didn't make it in, but that was the reason for going to Senegal. And while I was training Haji, she asked me, she said, Rhonda, can we open a black girl surf over in Senegal? And I said, of course, (laughs) why not? And so the surf school that we were filming in at the time, the owner was, of course, 
being COVID, stuck outside of the country. So he asked if I wanted to purchase the company. So Haju and I went in half and now we co-own Black Girl Surf School in Dakar. And so I went over to finish training my girls because we have girls going to Dakar 2026. And also I have one that's probably going to buy for the Olympics, the LA 28. Unfortunately, there will be no African-Americans and no Africans that will be in the 2024 Paris Olympics. But we're shooting for 2028 and 2026. 26 is the Junior Olympics, and that is in Dakar, which is one of the reasons why I was over there for two months. And so just putting together the curriculum for the girls, helping them design the stadium using my construction background, and just going into this next phase of what we're doing with Black Girl Surf. So we partnered with Olympic in Gore, which is a development camp for all Olympians that are coming into the Dakar 2026 Junior Olympics. And so it won't just have just surfing, but there'll be a whole nautical section, which is rowing, life-saving, and canoeing. And then on the other hand, they have basketball, volleyball, badminton, and the rest of them. So I was over there and was put on the commission to get that going for the kids in 2026. Oh, wow. Well, you, you know, you're giving me so many nuggets here. Now, I know that Senegal is a coastal country that I know, but I yes. really never associated, mistakenly, of course, and obviously, <laughs> I've never associated Senegal with surfing. How is Senegal as a surfing destination? Senegal is an excellent surfing destination. And the thing is, is that you can surf year round. For me, the water is always warm year round. Now, the Senegalese people in their wintertime will wear a wetsuit, but I won't because our water is freezing here. You know, we're 54 and they're 80 degrees in the water. So it's a little bit different, but the surfing over there is excellent. As a matter of fact, it was featured way long years ago in a movie called Endless Summer. And it was Dakar where they first landed. And it just so happens to be in Gore where the film took place. And that place I would consider one of the birthplaces of surfing. There are so many surfers. The babies are surfing. When I was there during COVID, and it's still to this day, I saw a five-year-old pushing like a one-year-old in his pamper on a surfboard. Everybody is literally surfing because it's a coastal community and that's recreation. Now they may not call it surfing. They didn't call it surfing. They have another name for it. They speak Wolof and they have their own native languages. So they weren't associating the surf culture with what we consider in the West as a surfing culture. It was just something that they did for recreation. And I mean, everyone was surfing when I went over there. I'm going to just give one historical nugget about Hawaii and Africa when it comes to surfing. Surfing was actually discovered I say discovered because that's how they say it. Discovered in Ghana way before, 100 years before they even found it in Hawaii. So if you go back now, it's Ghana, Peru, and then Hawaii. How does one follow you? So we have our IG, Black Girls Surf. On our IG, we're on Twitter. We have blackgirlsurf.org. That's two S's in the middle, everyone. Everyone's like, I can't find you. There's two S's. It's Black Girls Surf. And yes, we do. And then you can catch me at Rhonda, R-H-O-N-D-A, at blackgirlsurf.com if you have any questions or you want to sign up for the program. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. What an honor and a pleasure. And I love to end an interview where I've gotten so many golden nuggets to know that surfing started in Ghana 100 years before Hawaii. <laughs> You're welcome for that. Thank you for having me. Ladies and gentlemen. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information.